coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy Friday to you as we head into the weekend. So uh, later in the show, my guest today will be John Whitehouse, who is the news director. What his title is? Media Matters News Director. He's going to talk with us. Uh, about the uh, the, the latest supposedly jaw dropping revelation inside the Fox News halls. Although, is it really? Media Matters covers this uh, with the headline: "They knew it was a lie." The behind the scenes happening at Fox while the network pushed false claims about Dominion. Dominion, of course, filing lawsuits against Fox News for insinuating that. Dominion was part of a larger conspiracy to change the outcome of the 2020 election. And again, the premise of the story, as we'll talk with John Whitehouse today, the Fox News anchors and news directors, Rupert Murdoch, et al., all knew that Joe Biden had won the 2020 election, that Donald Trump's big lie was that, a big lie, and still tightrope walked <laughs> between knowing that that was a lie and still providing safe harbor for Rudy Giuliani and Trump's various spokespeople to maintain the appearance that there was a there there. Talk with John Whitehouse at the bottom of the hour. Looking forward to that. I was kind of hoping to start the show today with a segment that, uh, to me, is some good news. I think I think this is really good news. that. The EPA, along with some local activists, are finally bringing some attention to environmental racism, in, in a way. Drew Kahn with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution filed a piece uh, about 11 hours ago, headlined, Black Communities Burdened by Air Pollution May Finally Get Answers. I'm loving that there's going to be a new wave of air monitoring campaign focusing on some environmental justice concerns in some majority communities of color throughout Metro Atlanta and the United States, actually. The EPA has teamed up with several organizations. One of them is here in Atlanta. A local nonprofit called Environmental Community Action, Inc. will be working with the Environmental Protection Agency uh, as the EPA is going to be distributing about $53 million to support 132 projects throughout the United States. And so locally, uh, the group called Environmental Community Action, Inc., or EcoAction, is going to be working with Emory University and other groups with uh, an installation of air monitors in at least five communities around Metro Atlanta with longstanding pollution concerns. The area around uh, South Fulton likely to receive uh, new monitors for the program, according to program developer at Action, Inc., Lynn Young. As Drew's article begins, uh, they speak to an illegal burn pit and landfill nearby. Uh, there's the, the airport that's nearby, so there's all sorts of fumes from planes and traffic. It's, it's, it's a pretty sad story, and it's one that can be told in just about any community of size throughout the United States. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that poorer neighborhoods, poorer communities rest on land that is less valuable. And you can't think of less valuable land than land that is adjacent to high corridors of traffic, uh, industrial sections, 
factories and industrial plants just polluting the air and uh, the ground and the groundwater and the water and nearby tributaries. That leads to where you have these pockets of less affluent residents the most in harm's way. Now, let me just stop and say, before I go any further blathering on about this, I actually sought out many times in many ways today to have a spokesperson on from uh, Echo Action. And I I can see now, I'm going to need to volunteer to work with them because uh, their website has more dead ends than a cul-de-sac laden subdivision. Uh, Their website... uh, I'm sorry, the email address, their info email address bounced back to me. Who, Letitia, who apparently manned that email address, is no longer with the organization. Okay, that was random. So I had to find another working email address on a PDF file on the website, and I still haven't heard back from that person. At some point in time, we're going to talk to somebody from Environmental Community Action, Inc. I just thought that this entire story was kind of noteworthy as we're having this discussion Uh, about the Atlanta Police Training Facility, a.k.a. Cop City, being built in southwest DeKalb. And we have had uh, the commissioner of that area of DeKalb County, Ted Terrion. We've had Jackie Eccles from the South River Watershed Alliance on to talk about the impact on nearby neighborhoods, which are 60% or greater people of color. This is yet another classic case of what we call the NIMBY effect, not in my back yard. Poorer communities and poorer communities of color in particular have a lot less clout than our friends in Buckhead when it comes to zoning and placement of things like police training facilities. Now, as this AJC article, by the way, which we will put in show notes at ronshowetl.com, points out, These pollution concerns aren't always taken seriously. A lot of folks dismiss it. Oh, come on, it's not that bad. It's like when we talked about the heat island effect uh, a couple of weeks ago. Forget who the guest was that brought that up. Folks think that that's just, oh, that's just an urban legend, an urban myth. No, it's actually hotter in larger cities because of all the concrete and the lack of trees and grass. People don't rest after a nice jog on a sidewalk, do they? No, they go to a grassy berm or sit under a tree. Hello, it's cooler. So EcoAction going to be working on this project in hopes that they can prove that the data demonstrates that there is an actual problem with breathable air. It's one thing to test soil samples and groundwater, water samples. It's something else to actually monitor air quality. And this is an important step. You hear a lot of chortling and bristling on the right when somebody, like uh, uh, Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, who, by the way, points out that there is a history of racism in our highway system. It stands to reason that a project like this with the EPA and EcoAct is going to also show that, if not racism, An utter disregard for poorer citizens, marginalized communities in metro Atlanta, is or was real and is yet to be addressed. I mean, could this be why non-Hispanic African Americans, 
according to 2018 data, were 40% more likely to have asthma than non-Hispanic whites. There's also been some work to see if there are some minor fixes to this problem. Let me go back to the article here. For the last two years, Christina Fuller, now an associate professor at the University of Georgia, has explored whether bushes and other roadside vegetation can meaningfully filter the air in neighborhoods near major roadways. Her team took measurements along the downtown connector, I-285 and Georgia 400, in areas with vegetation, and then compared those levels to measurements taken from roadsides without a shrub or tree barriers. Fuller's findings are currently under review by a scientific journal. Fuller said creating vegetative barriers will not bring an end to Atlanta's air pollution disparities, but she's hopeful her results will offer vulnerable communities evidence to push for solutions. She said neighborhoods that we know are communities of color next to a highway or a busy road. The road is there. It's not going anywhere. But if you're able to plant trees and they can mature over a couple of years, we want to know what kind of protection that would be able to provide for those communities. I, for one, am extremely excited about this sort of research. There are those who like to chortle and bristle, I like to use those terms apparently, when budgets are scrutinized at the federal level, all these goofy little tests and experiments that are done, this is one that has real-life consequences. By the way, I want to thank Drew Khan for reaching out to me when I asked him, who the heck did you get a hold of to even talk to EcoAct about this story. And I think I have a working email address now, fingers crossed. A little late for the show today, but hopefully we'll get somebody on from EcoAct so they can talk to us about uh, this project a little more in depth and and tell us uh, what areas outside of South Fulton that they'll be working on to get these air samples And again, I I think there's a little tie to the entire Cop City discussion about this because the South River watershed has been defined, that forest has been labeled as one of the metro area's four lungs, one of the city's four lungs, one of the greater sources of breathable oxygen coming from that forest. And plans are we're going to lose a big chunk of it for a police training facility. When, by the way... The city announced this week that crime is way down year to year. The argument could be made. Do we really need a cop city? Eh, I've covered that ad nauseum. And understand, we will stay on that story as that story develops. All right, again, later in the show, John Whitehouse, News Director, Media Matters for America on to discuss Fox News and the latest revelations, just the latest in the revelations of Fox News conning their viewers to protect and coddle Donald Trump. More Ron Show on America One Radio next. Oh, hey, you're still here. Hey, that's cool. Thanks for sticking around. Not only am I host of The Ron Show, I'm also Ron Roberts, real estate agent slash realtor with EXP Realty. That's right. I help folks buy and sell residential real estate in and around Metro Atlanta. And we've been through a crazy couple of years, have we not? Between COVID, the post-COVID market, the craziness. You could throw an open house on a souped up tool shed and you would have cars lined around the block to come in and see it and throw an offer well over asking price. Well, those days are no longer a part of us and interest rates are a little higher than they were before. But I must say, it's still a great time to either buy or sell or both real estate, residential real estate in Metro Atlanta. Why buy? I tell tenuous buyers all the time, if you are renting right now, 
you are paying someone else's retirement accounts your money, and it might as well go to you. The cost of housing in Atlanta is not going to get cheaper. The population is going to continue to grow well into the 2040s, with nearly a million and a half new residents expected to come here. So you better get a house sooner rather than later. And if you can afford to buy an investment property, now if you already own your home, why not buy one nearby you as well and create some additional income that could be your retirement savings and you get to choose one of your new neighbors. Now, if you're thinking about selling, but you're thinking, oh man, I really missed out on that huge market in the past summer or two. Okay, yeah, sure. But the values aren't dropping. So you still got plenty you've earned just by owning what you're in and need to sell soon. Got questions? Feel free to hit me up. 843-283-0078 or email me ron at rononthereal.com. Georgia MLS 396-720. Website rononthereal.com. That's me, Ron Roberts with EXP Realty. Follow The Ron Show on Twitter at Ron Show ATL. The Ron Show on America One Radio. So there's a lot of talk on today's show about Fox News because there's a lot of revelations, more revelations about Fox News and its coziness with the GOP and with the Trump campaign, but also its discomfort in knowing that its bread and butter is placating conservatives and the Trump campaign. We'll get into a lot of that in the next segment, but I want to focus on one particular clip this week that is remarkably appalling. Earlier this week, we had another campus mass shooting, this time on the campus of Michigan State University. And Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who is a staunch gun control advocate calling for stricter gun laws, did so, did so before her state legislature earlier this week. That's not surprising. What is surprising, however, is, I I shouldn't be, but my God, the things Tucker Carlson says sometimes still blow me away. Listen to this. But we must do more. So the world our kids inherit is not more violent than the one we inhabit now. The time for only thoughts and prayers is over. Another low IQ plastic surgery disaster lecturing us about things she has no understanding of. Wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. First of all, what is that about, dude? Are we seriously going to sit here and let a man who gets makeup put on his face every night before going on cable television? Lecture a woman about plastic surgery? What the actual hell is that about, dude? I don't, I, again, it's just one of those things that mystifies me. Like, when he says something, it's like, wait, what? Let's let him continue, though. So laugh at Gretchen Whitmer, if you will. But then think about what she's saying. She's mocking prayer. Mm -mm. Really? (laughs) Well, now that you mention it, Gretchen Whitmer, we might use a little prayer right now. Prayers work better than equity. Prayers are safer than Norfolk Southern. Prayers are more comforting than Kamala Harris's laugh. There's nothing wrong with prayers. (laughs) What we don't need any more of is more totalitarian atheists with ill-gotten political power and designs on our lives. We've got enough of those, including you. So when they're telling you that the two things you cannot have are guns and prayer, you know for a fact that those are the two things you need most. Where the hell does Tucker Carlson get off peddling nonsense like that? 
first of all, is there any evidence whatsoever that Gretchen Whitmer is an atheist? When you do a simple Google search, you'll find that she lists herself as a Christian. I mean, I'm sure Tucker Carlson probably does the same. But has anyone actually seen Tucker Carlson enter a church? I have questions. How do we know he's not an atheist? See how easy that is, Bowtie Boy? What a moronic pretense. Gretchen Whitmer's not saying, don't pray. Don't have kind thoughts for the fallen, the grieving. That's not what she's saying at all. She's saying, can we do something besides that? On top of that? (laughs) And what's up with the Kamala Harris laugh swipe? You want to hear an uncomfortable laugh? Who is he? Okay, most of those are Tucker Carlson. Some were Nathan Lane in the birdcage. There was also Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka and like a room full of ladies cackling too. But most of those laughs, honest to God, were Tucker Carlson. What Tucker doesn't want his audience to understand is that there have been more than 70 mass shootings just this calendar year. It's only February 17th. By my math, that's only 48 days. We're almost at two mass shootings a day, y'all. But Tucker Carlson wants you to think that Gretchen Whitmer or anyone on the left who wants to call for, I don't know, stricter background checks, waiting periods, red flag laws. He wants you to think that we don't want you praying, that we're trying to minimize your ability to pray. Like that's even a possibility. Like, that's even within a governor's power. That's, that's what he wants you to think. I, at what point in time does his audience go, does this guy think we're that stupid? Or are they just that stupid that they don't stop to think that? As you're going to hear next segment, the only time Tucker Carlson and Fox News ever seems to lose viewers is when they don't pander enough to the audience that they love slopping in the mud for. The audience never gets wise and goes, well, this is just too dumb for me. I've got to tap out. There never seems to be evidence of erosion of audience for exactly what Tucker's doing here, thinking that they're so stupid that they're just going to buy the nonsense he throws at them. I mean, there is the audience that hate watches, I'm sure, from the left and gets a good laugh. I've got better things to do personally, but... I do like catching up on the clips when they make the rounds. <laughs> and I'm just gobsmacked by it. And also, Fox News is getting hammered in courts. Multi-million dollar lawsuits left and right. And this guy has the stones, got the Kiwis, to go on television and claim that Gretchen Whitmer is an atheist? Can that not be something she sue him for and Fox News at the same time? At what point, at what point does someone in the Fox News legal department go, my God, can y'all stop? Can we catch our breath for just a minute? And I haven't even brought up the fact that she was the target of a plot to kidnap and potentially kill her. Yeah, 
Right-wing radicals wanted to do that. I wonder who fanned those flames. Huh. Nah, wouldn't be Tucker. Couldn't have all been right-wing disinformation from media sources like uh, Fox News, maybe? Nah. All I can say is the money must be really damned good because the lack of self-awareness... Well, I I can't imagine there even is a lack of self-awareness. But the ability to shield oneself from shame is really strong with that one. And Sean Hannity, and Laura Ingraham, and Brett Baer, and Neil Cavuto, and the entire lot at Fox News. The entire world now knows the cozy relationship between these talking heads and the entire network, and the coddling of the GOP, and even the Donald Trump campaign and presidency. Yet they call themselves Fair and Balanced, a news channel. They have no shame. We're on that after the break. More Ron Show on America One Radio after this. Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. And I got to tell you, it's super cool to get to talk to somebody from Media Matters for America. I'm a longtime fan. Uh, John Whitehouse, the news director, joins us. John, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. I I imagine you guys have been pretty busy today. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we got the this filing for, about Fox and Dominion last night, and mm. um, it's it takes a while to go through. It's it's couple. It's over a hundred pages long, but I've never seen anything like it. I've been working at Media Matters for over a decade now. I, I've never seen anything this scandalous about any media company anywhere in the world ever. It's it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And so let's give some credit to to the uh, writers, uh, Julie Tolbert and uh, Bushra Sultana and uh, Peyton mm-hmm. Armstrong, Shelby Jamer, uh, Jamerson and Zachary Pleat all contribute to write this piece. Uh, the Fox Dominion lawsuit uh, still still roiling about in the courts. And the, the headline is exactly what what the story says. They knew it was a lie. The behind the scenes happenings at Fox while the network pushed false claims about Dominion. My question to you, and we'll, we'll get into some of the, the back and forth that was happening, back channel emails and texts and whatnot. Uh, my, my question to you is, uh, at what point is this ever going to be damning for Fox News that their viewers go, all right, listen, I know I've been duped for a while, but this is, this is too dumb even for me. <sighs> well, I guess that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, or the billion dollar question, yeah. I suppose, in this case. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, one of the things that's in this long document is a Fox news producer or executive. It's, it's a blurry line there um, saying that they believe that their audience may just want more or less full on crazy, uh, you know, just completely, you know, whatever, whatever phrase you want to use to describe it, fake news, conspiracy theories, that may just be what they want. Um, and, you know, it, it's a lot, you know, when, the news can be treated as, you know, a spectator sport at some point. You want your side to win. And yeah. when you want your side to win, you will you will embrace whatever tactic you think is necessary. Um, and so I think that's that kind of gets into a lot of it. But, you know, ultimately, with government, people want a government that's actually effective. Mm-hmm. Um, in the long run. We see this with the, with the, the train derailment, you know. Mm-hmm. We can... Everyone can throw blame around and whatever, but you know, ultimately, people don't want trains derailing in their neighborhoods, spilling toxic, yeah. you know, things everywhere. And so, I think that's it's ultimately going to be, you know, that when people will have enough is when they get tired of this stuff. You know, we saw that with the with the Iraq War. I mean, it was 
it was very popular until it suddenly was is very not. Um, but, but there, and, but there again, even even then, uh, and I remember this too. Fox News and and right wing talk radio was complicit in building that narrative, and it, it mm-hmm. didn't cost them. No, it didn't. Um, it, and it, in fact, the only, the only person on the right who seems to have borne any responsibility is is really is George W. Bush, who is now wildly unpopular. Um, you know. I wish I could go back and tell myself from 2004 that sometimes, but that's how things work out. Um, and so, you know, it's holding these people accountable and getting through to their audience. It's there's a reason we we do so much of this work every day is to to give to tell the truth about what's going on at Fox, how they are complicit, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's going to take a long time to break through, and you know, their audience may not want to hear it at, at any given time, and you know. I look at this as not just necessarily how can we fix everything in over the course of a, a week or a year, but over the long sweep of history, pushing back on that. And yeah, it takes some time. People are, you know, not easy to come to trust politicians and, and media figures. And right. I think that's, you know, we got to build up trust slowly and carefully and that's how you can, it can push back and, you know, break through sometimes. I almost feel like I see a little bit of self-awareness for the first time out of the likes of Tucker Carlson in this one quote where he talks about, uh, it's unbelievably offensive to me. Our viewers are good people and they believe it. It's almost as if he's, he's realizing that his, his audience is, he's easily duped and that he's complicit in this and he's not happy about that. I mean, I'm a little shocked that I even read that. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's one of the key quotes in this entire thing is him, is Tucker explaining how Fox News works. Yeah, And it's interesting because nobody understood, I would say very few people before Tucker Carlson took that spot, which used to be Bill O'Reilly's, mm-hmm. understood Fox News the way that Tucker Carlson did. Um, because he was like, before he went to Fox News, he hated O'Reilly for doing a lot of the same things that Tucker's doing now. Mm-hmm. And so now that he's part of it, he's bought in. Um, you saw one of the texts that revealed last night, he tried to get a reporter fired for yeah. fact-checking a Trump tweet. Right. And it's just like, that is, that is nuts. Like, that, that's not happened anywhere else. And if it did, it would be a huge scandal. People would mm. be fired. And, to, you know, at Fox, it's just Friday. I mean, nobody's, nobody's under <laughs> any illusion that Mur- the Murdochs are going to fire Tucker Carlson for that, which would be a fireable offense anywhere else. Anywhere else. You're right. You're right. Um, I, I just, I'm going through this and just reading more about even Even Murdoch, really crazy mm-hmm. stuff. And you mentioned having never seen anything like this before, and, but yet I, I keep going back to the January 6th uh, uh, House uh, investigation, and we were seeing the back-and-forth text from Hannity directly to Mark Meadows and from Laura Ingraham directly to Mark Meadows – it's it's like we have seen this somewhat before. There's this capitulation and this coordination going on between a supposed journalistic entity and uh, a particular party. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a really good point. I hadn't I hadn't drawn that connection before. Um, it's we so rarely get to see behind the scenes of Fox News. It's before January six, before all that. It's been literally five or six times in the entire. 10 years I've been in media matters and we, we actually got to see a little bit behind the veil. And a lot of that was from Roger Ailes, Fox news, which is slightly different than what we're seeing now. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's com- going completely off the rails. They are embracing any conspiracy that they can find because the only thing that matters to them is their market share of the ratings versus Newsmax or versus OAN mm-hmm. and OAN and Newsmax, they will run 
anything. Anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it is just total nuts, totally nuts sometimes, um, even to this day. Um, and so, yeah, it's completely devolved. And I think this is just, the, there's no more doubt. I think that's the only thing that I can say about this is, you know, people are asking what their takeaways are from all this. And it's all scandalous. People should be fired. You know, we got to clean the whole thing out somehow. But there's no more doubt. There's no, there's no more arguing about what Fox News is or how it's run. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at the top level, it's just completely corrupted at this point. And I mean, that's, to me, that's the big takeaway. And there's no more doubt. And people can't, you know, it, it, 10 years ago, people were arguing about how the, the Obama administration treats Fox News. You're not seeing any of those arguments now. It's not not that you know the Biden administration is perfect or anything like that. That's not even mm. my concern. But it is like Fox News is owns responsibility along with Trump for January 6th because they went along with all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, and and I I hate to even play the both sides game. I, I don't I don't like taking that uh, that bait from somebody who wants to. Well, both sides are bad. No, no. This is this is apples and orangutans flinging poop mm-hmm. at you from through the bars. No, this is not even remotely the same thing. Uh, and and I I'm the first to admit, like I I don't watch a whole lot of MSNBC because I know what I'm going to get there. I, mm-hmm. I I know what they do, and I think they do it in better packaging and in less salacious, less clownish, uh, you know, packaging. But I, I kind of know when I tune in Rachel Maddow or Chris Hayes, I know what I'm getting. Uh, but I, to, to compare the two, it's it's not. It's, there is no comparison. Yeah, the thing that differentiates them for me is that MSNBC seems a lot, MS, and their audience seems a lot more differentiated from the party apparatus than if at Fox News. I, I, the Rupert Murdoch sent a text that they're we're going to go down and for the Georgia runoff in 2020 and do anything they could to help the Republicans win. Right. I mean, like explicitly said right. that it's not even like reading between the lines. That's what he said. And I'm like, if the, if the NBC president said that about MSNBC, it'd be yeah. another massive scandal. And again, it's today, it's just Friday. Well, and, and that's the other thing, you know, we, we, we saw a lot of noise about Twitter gate when, uh, mm-hmm. when, when Taibbi was, was letting all the Twitter gate stuff out, but we've seen, since then, so much more come out about the many times that the Trump administration was reaching out to Twitter to have tweets suppressed or pulled altogether. And it's yeah, silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, people are willing to have conversations about times that Twitter makes an error and, and fixed it or whatever. Mm. But, you know, they're not interested in those conversations. They want to have just be like, oh, now Elon's all good and, you know, the uh, the current the past Twitter was all bad and <laughs> it's very Manichaean about that kind of thing. Well, you know, it's all good or all bad, and it's the reality is that Fox News is like cor- like the cor- level of corruption on the right, especially at Fox News, but not just at Fox News, Newsnet, and OAN, is just blowing everything else out of the water. It's one of the dominant stories in American politics in the past five or six years. Mm-hmm. You follow this better than I do. Uh, I, I, you, you mentioned OANN, and I just figured they were gone because most service providers don't even put them mm-hmm. on, on their platform anymore. But uh, I guess they're still lurking in the shadows, and, and Newsmax is uh, a little more prominent. Uh, and when we talk about Fox's markets here, they're more worried about losing to Newsmax and OAN than they are, uh, again, being a credible journalistic entity or losing anybody to the center or left. And to me, that's a little bit of a problem. Yeah, yeah. There's, they are not even competing for the center anymore. I think that's, 
it's something we first noticed in the early stages of the Trump administration. And, mm. you know, OK, maybe they're just defending Trump, you know, which, again, is problematic. I don't want to, you know, downplay that. But it's very clear they've just given up and their only worry is about losing people to the right. And so they will either hint at or orient their entire network around these conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just I've never seen anything like it. If, I mean, it's. It's not the Fox News that existed six or seven years ago, which wasn't like which I wasn't was a which wasn't a Boy Scout then. I mean, it wasn't a it wasn't right. a Boy Scout troop then. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I guess the absence of Chris Wallace was to me like the last credible shred of journalistic integrity whatsoever. Yeah, I mean they've they've slowly lost the journalists have like slowly walked out. It's been like a the, the Willy Wonka factory tour. Mm. Um, they've been slowly walked out over the past five or six years. You saw Shep leave. We saw Chris Wallace leave. Yeah. Uh, we've done reporting about how their website has been overhauled and they brought in literal GOP operatives to do writing. Wow. Um, it's, it's just, it's crazy stuff. It's, and, you know, if people would just acknowledge that they're part and parcel of the Republican Party, it'd be, you know, I don't want to say be fine, mm-hmm. but it, like that's, they won't even acknowledge that. Yeah. Um, and so that it becomes, you know, the problem that it is. Well, and, and it's this whole empire now. I mean, there's Fox News Radio, there's Fox Nation, which to me is even fringier entertainment-ish, sort of, mm-hmm. but, you know, has that element of right-wing cultism as well. We're on with John Whitehouse, uh, who is the news director at Media Matters for America. John, real quick, just so my audience will know uh, what Media Matters is. I- I'm uh, I'm a geek, so I know this stuff, but Media Matters has been sort of like the watchdog for these fringe journalistic entities like Fox News pretty much from the inception. Yeah, we were founded in 2004, I believe. I, I wasn't around then. Um, essentially in the wake of the Iraq war mm-hmm. starting and Fox News starting that. And our, our responsibility and our we're a nonprofit. And what we do is just we push back on conservative misinformation in the media. Mm-hmm. And what that means is whether it's Newsmax, OANN, sometimes mainstream or national outlets, um, we just want to point it out and point out what the truth is. And that's that's what we do. Um, there's, there's groups like us on the right. There's other, there's other groups like us too, but, uh, we try to be, try to be the best at what we do. Um, and just pointing out what the facts are. Here's what Fox got wrong. Here's what's in this filing. Um, so like you mentioned earlier, like we, the, this filing was released last night. Mm-hmm. We wanted to make sure that all the newsworthy information ended up on the internet. So we published as much of it as we could. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of our responsibility. Whereas all these other outlets like NPR or Washington Post or the EP, they do great jobs mm-hmm. right across the line. Um, but they might not feel the necessary to include every single anecdote, whereas we want to make sure that it's out there and referenceable for when, if and when people want to see it. Um, so that's kind of what we do. And for those that are, are wondering, uh, you guys are a nonprofit organization, right? You guys are completely mm-hmm. funded by donation. MediaMatters.org is their website if you want to go to Media Matters and, uh, and chip in to help them uh, keep this going. This is, this is important work that you guys are doing. We, we've seen the Fox News effect on our political discourse, uh, and it's pretty scary, the trajectory that it's been on just in the last 25 years or so. And it's, yeah. it doesn't appear yeah. to be getting and, – and, and again, the offspring, it's – it's the offspring. It's the Newsmaxes and the OANs that uh, that are the, the the spawn of Fox News. They don't want to take any credit for this, but that is a problem of their own making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you know, we watch Newsmax all day, just the way we do Fox News, and it's essentially you. Fox News for people that are maybe a little bit older. 
Yeah. And you know, that, maybe like the way the Fox News used to be five or six years ago. And so it tends to end up a little, little crazier, a little more deranged, but it's the same <laughs> basic recipe. Um, and it's similar to you know, OANN too. So is this, a, is this just a, a demographic thing where we just have to wait on a large portion of the audience to eventually walk into the sunset? No, or? no. no. I, I'm a little more optimistic than that, I think, on this. You know, if you look back to in the wake of the, uh, of the Iraq war launching, people were in total denial mm-hmm. that Fox News was even right wing. Yeah. It was just like they are fair and balanced. They say they're fair and balanced. How dare you say otherwise? And people got you know, up in arms and about that, but they also got to work and push back. And all we've seen is people understand over the years what Fox News actually is. And, you know, once the people know what something is, they know how to deal with it. Yeah. That's, the, you know, that's my understanding that, you know, that's kind of what I take from Lincoln, ironically. <laughs> I appreciate your optimism on that. John Whitehouse, the news director at Media Matters for America. Thanks for your time. I appreciate the conversation. Oh, of course, my pleasure. More Ron Show on America One Radio next. Archived audio, blogs, social media links, and more, all in one place. Log on at ronshowatl.com. The Ron Show on America One Radio. Lots of on this day in black history to get into, so let's just get right to it. It was on this date in 1891 that the butter churn was patented by inventor Albert Richardson. It was in 1902 that opera singer Marian Anderson is born in Philadelphia, once, in fact, she performed in an open-air recital uh, after her concert at Constitution Hall, at the time controlled by the Daughters of the American Revolution, canceled her show, refusing to allow her to perform. So she went out to the Lincoln Memorial and did it. At the age of 17, she placed first over 299 other singers in the New York Philharmonic Competition. In the year 1930, she traveled to Europe after she was awarded a Rosenwald Fellowship, allowing her to study abroad for a year. Three years later, she de- she debuted in Berlin and performed 142 concerts in Denmark, Finland, Norway, and Sweden. Anderson signed with the New York Metropolitan Opera, the Met, in 1955. Marian Anderson, born on this day in 1902. Uh, 1936, oh my gosh, one of the greatest running backs of all time, Jim Brown. Over the course of nine seasons with the Cleveland Browns, he racked up yards, accolades galore, pro football Hall of Famer, uh, four MVP seasons. He's, by the way, a St. Simons Island, Georgia native. I didn't know that. Staunch civil rights advocate and founder of a plethora of organizations aimed at helping the disenfranchised. Jim Brown, born on this day in 1936. It was on this day in 1938 that activist Mary Frances Berry was born in Nashville, Tennessee. Berry became the first woman to serve as a chancellor of a major research university at the University of Colorado Boulder. She uh, has been active in the fight for civil rights, gender equality, and social justice. During four presidential administrations, Ms. Berry uh, served as chairperson of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, was also the principal education official in the U.S. Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. It was on this day in 1942 that the Black Panther Party co-founder Huey P. Newton was born in Monroe, Louisiana. Black Panther, going completely off script here, one of those organizations that gets demonized by right-wing media, well, uh, media in general, actually. Uh, The Black Panthers are formed in 1966 in response to police brutality and rampant racism. Uh, So co-founder Huey Newton and Bobby Seale formed the party organization, 
which uh, built self-reliance for the black community. At its peak, there were approximately 2,000 members in city chapters across the country. It was in 1971 that Newton proclaimed that the Black Panthers would dedicate themselves to providing social services to black community and adopt a nonviolent approach. Uh, on this day in 1963, Michael Jordan, the great one, was born. Six-time NBA champion and finals MVP, five-time NBA MVP, 14-time NBA All-Star, three-time NBA All-Star MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. People think of him as a scorer, but he was also a Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and more. Retired with the NBA's highest scoring average of 30.1 points per game. Currently a co-owner of the Charlotte Hornets basketball team. You want to start a hot social media debate? Debate whether or not Michael Jordan or LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. I, I, maybe it's just my age bias, but Jordan was ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. It was on this day in 1967 that Ronnie DeVoe, fifth member of New Edition, was born. Uh, by the way, he was brought into the group by his uncle, their former manager. DeVoe also was a founding member of Bell Biv DeVoe. And uh, now you know. Sorry, I had to. It was on this day in 1973 that the first naval frigate was named after an African-American. Ensign Jesse L. Brown was the U.S. Navy's first African-American pilot and was killed in combat during a mission in Korea. Brown earned his pilot wings alone while in the Navy, unlike his Army aviator colleagues who broke the color barrier with the Tuskegee Airmen. Again, it was on this date in 1973 that for the first time ever, the Navy commissioned a frigate named after an African-American, and it was in honor of Jesse L. Brown. What do we have for tomorrow's date? Uh, it was on this day in 1965. Dr. Dre was born. Uh, born Andre Rommel Young on February 18th, 1965 in Compton, California. Toni Morrison was born on this day in 1931. She passed in 2019, by the way. Fantastic novelist. It was on tomorrow's date in the year 1688 that the first formal protest against slavery was organized by a white body in English America. Made by the Germantown, Pennsylvania Quakers at a monthly meeting, the historic Germantown protest denounced slavery and the slave trade on tomorrow's date in 1688. Huh. All right, quickly for Sunday, February 19th. It was author Harper Lee who passed away on this date, February 19th, 2016. Harper Lee, of course, the author of To Kill a Mockingbird. How many of us wouldn't even be born were it not for the soulful voice of Smokey Robinson? You know he brought some Knights of Passion <laughs> to some prior generations. He was born on Sunday's date, February 19th, back in the year 1940. Real name, William Robinson Jr., born to a family in Detroit, Michigan. It is according to blackfacts.com, by the way, that the Army Air Corps All-African-American 100th Pursuit Squadron, later designated a fighter squadron, was activated at Tuskegee Institute. The squadron served honorably in England and in other regions of the European continent during World War II. We know them now as the Tuskegee Airmen. It was on Sunday's date, February 19th, 1992, that director John Singleton was the first African-American director to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Director and Best Screenplay for his first ever film, Boys in the Hood. Last but certainly not least, on Sunday's date in 2002, the Vanetta Flowers became the first black gold medalist 
in the history of the Winter Olympic Games. She and her partner, Jill Bracken, won the inaugural women's two-person bobsled event for the United States. And on that note, I wish you a happy Friday afternoon, evening, and a fantastic weekend back here Monday, 5 to 6 p.m., weekdays on America One Radio and AmericaOneRadio.com. Also, on all the major podcast platforms, have the links for you at ronshowatl.com.